Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is the Mind Body Musings podcast, and you are listening to episode 325. Today's guest is a very special and sparkly human. I'm going to read her bio later once I'm on air with her, but for now, what I want you to know about this being is that she she holds the fort down in a lot of realms. She is able to speak with you about healing body image woes in one second, and then she can move over to chopping off her tits in the next second, and then she can move over to being exploring her bisexuality and being polyamorous in the next, and then also have this very masculine consciousness to her where she can go into her business and how she takes it you know, day by day and how she structures her her life without rules. She's very well-rounded and as her bio says, has multiple facets to her, her life. And today I'm bringing her on to speak about polyamory. I've had quite a few requests from listeners of the show to have a conversation on polyamory. And in fact, I did have one once, but it never aired because I didn't like it. (laughs) And it's my podcast. And uh, I was just waiting for the right guest for the next time that I released an episode on it. And I thought about Amanda because I've been following her journey on Instagram. And the way she does it seems like the right way to do it. Just so conscious, so full of communication, so accepting of all the feels. It's not always pretty. And today's episode is all about her journey through polyamory, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful expansion that has come along with it, as well as the insecurities and the contractions. And this will give you a really good idea to feel into of whether or not polyamory is something you would want to do and follow along her journey for more. So before we go in there, I have a review of the week and this comes from CLD103341. (laughs) And they say, in my view as a 29-year-old woman who has been listening to Maddie for a few years, she is the voice of women in their 20s searching for alternative alternatives to the options that our culture has presented. Maddie shares so much wisdom from her own experience and through her guests. Thank you, Maddie, with five stars. Thank you, CLD103341. <laughs> I appreciate you so much. This means so much to me to be a voice of women in their 20s searching for alternative lifestyle options. Fuck yeah, thank you. Warms my soul and warms my heart. Thank you, everybody who leaves a review on the show. Even if you've been listening for years and you haven't left one, it is not too late. It is always a good time to leave a review on iTunes or Spotify. I don't know if Spotify actually takes reviews, but definitely on iTunes. It's currency in that world. It's It tells iTunes that you like this show and more people should know about it. So I'm doing something a little differently this year with, uh, or I guess the the rest of this month, where I'm getting all my podcasts recorded. Um, I'm trying to get them all recorded for the rest of the year. 
in this two week time span. And so really what I want you to know is that I'm going through some shifts over here. Um, I think I say that a lot, but I feel like these shifts or I'm thinking that these shifts are, are really organic. They don't feel forced. I'm just naturally falling into a new, um, a new yearning in my business. And that yearning is to be less reliant on, um, social media as well as constant consistency. So what that means for you is that there's really two ways to work with me. And I'm, I'm of course going to still do events and retreats once COVID's died down. Um, but and, and online workshops, but if you want to spend time with me and you want to be in an intimate container, there's two ways to do that. Either in my group coaching program, the CSU Society, you get two calls per month. We focus on devotional love, on feminine womb cycles. We focus on um, <laughs> letting God penetrate us and feeling alive in our grief as well as our love and just being here for the full human experience. And there's lots of embodiment practices and teachings. And then I have my one-on-one -on -one coaching, which you can read more about, see testimonials over at maddiemoon.com. And those containers are for six months or 12 months. And as January approaches, I'm letting everyone know that I've got two spots open. So if you're interested in having that kind of container for six months, so for half of your tw uh, 2021, if you want to spend it with me working on anything, I mean, that's what I think is the cool thing about working with me is that everything is on the table um, coming with relationships and being devoted to love and your sacred expression, creativity, building a business, anything. If you're ready to go much deeper and have a coach in your court, and that includes Marco Polo in between our calls. So if you want to have constant access to me with boundaries, of course, you know, I'm not going to be there within five minutes, but I do respond quite quickly. Um, and if you want that, if you want to have that intimate container, make 2021 a year that you go deeper into love, deeper into expression, because that's what working with me looks like. It's not about hustle and getting everything done. It's about easing into your most gentlest self to reveal that diamond of creativity or love or brilliance that's within you. If that feels like a good fit for you and you want one of those two slots that opens in January, you can go to maddiemoon.com forward slash coaching and you can apply in that little page and I'll get back to you to set up uh, the next steps. And in regards to my group coaching program, the CSU Society, what I want you to know about that it's really tricky because I'm releasing this episode a couple, uh, a week and a half at least in advance of it airing. But the direction it looks like we're going is that I'm going to be switching platforms for the group, which means that the community aspect will no longer be hosted on Facebook. I have found a platform that includes beautiful posting, community sharing, uh, kind of like, I hate to compare it, but kind of like Facebook groups, like you have, it's the same thing as a Facebook group, but it's on a completely separate platform that's beautiful, minimalistic, and it also will hold all the course material. So if you've wanted to be a part of the CSU Society, but um, you haven't joined yet because the frustration of like the community aspect being on Facebook, 
all I can say right now is, is stay on my email list. I will be notifying everybody as soon as that is put into place and switching over. It's going to be a bit of a process, especially for people already in there. I'm going to have to have them sign back up. But you know what? It's worth it. I want as many people to join as possible that want to be in a group coaching platform with me who don't really like Facebook but still want that community aspect. Let's make it happen. So stay tuned around that. And you can go ahead and and join us as well. Um, We just had a call this previous Monday. It's brilliant. Um, And I'm saying that in the in the in the past about the future i'm saying it's brilliant i haven't haven't had the call yet but i know it will be brilliant um and then you can catch that once you sign up all right it's time to dive deep into all things polyamory the good the bad the ugly the luscious the exquisite the excruciating all the things i'll see you there Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host, Madeline Moon, and today we have a very special guest, someone who has been um, in my life for years now, and I've been on her show, and we've collaborated. She's just a beautiful woman. Her name is Amanda Catherine Loy, and she's also known on, on Instagram as the bisexual body positive BRCA babe. And she's on a mission to help you face your fears, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. She (laughs) does this in multiple facets through her work as an actor, a body confidence and mindset coach, a podcast host, a writer, and a speaker. Amanda has a long history of operating solely from a place of shoulds, unconsciously dimming her light and keeping herself small in hopes that it would keep her safe, seen, and accepted through a myriad of ways. Eating disorder cycles, over-exercising, workaholism, toxic relationships, and beyond. Through her own unique journey to liberation, she's become wildly passionate about arming her fuck yes community with tools to help them step into their fullest, and most authentic selves so that they can live every day feeling unapologetic as fuck in their own skin and truly come home to themselves. In 2018, she launched her top charting weekly podcast, Living Your Fuckiest Life, the space to be, the space to have conscious conversation and candid shares around shit nobody really fucking talks about. And in 2019, she courageously shared her journey of navigating (laughs) a preventative double mastectomy at the age of 27 in her self-published book, I Chopped Off My Tits. I love that title so much. She spends most of her time sharing her musings every week over on Instagram and her podcast. So come on over and join in on all the magic that is all fuck yes things in your life. Welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Thank you. It's so wild. You like reciting that out loud in front of me as we're like witnessing. I'm like, I don't think I've ever had somebody like read my bio with me present. It's like such an experience to to receive it. So I appreciate it. (laughs) It's a fun thing. And it's new here too, because normally it would always be separate from the guest. Yeah. And uh, it's a funny moment of like 
disconnecting from you to go read some words, but yeah. also feeling you while I'm reading the words and knowing that you're right here. And I just, I, I love being able to introduce people to the fullest and I love it. beautiful. Oh, thank you. My love. You're so sweet. So my first question for you today. Yeah. Amanda, yeah. Let's do it. What are you musing about these days? What's mm. peaking your interest and tickling your fancy? Mm, I love that. Uh, so much. Um, honestly, I feel like I've been doing a deep soul dive the last few months that has felt expansive in a way that I've never really navigated before. Um, but the first thing that popped into my brain when you asked that, so I'm just going to move in that direction because that's how I like to move, is um, how a lot of my past with bullying and not um, not feeling enough is showing up now in new relationships I'm building um, in terms of like my fears and how that's um, emerging. So I've been really deep diving into that um, with myself through the gene keys, um, retreat that we're doing together. Um, but also, um, in therapy and in my journaling and that's been front and center of my heart. So can you give us a small example? Yeah, totally. Maybe what the bullying was when you were younger and then what the instance is now as an adult mm. how it's showing up. Yeah. Um, I was bullied a lot when I was a kid. Um, I talk about this moment in my book, um, but it was the first moment that I ever realized I wasn't like everyone else. I was six years old and um, I was um, going to a ballet class for the first time and I was really stoked and ready to go. And like, I had convinced my mom to do this thing. I wanted to dance. And she was like, okay, like there wasn't dance, there was no dancing in my family, but she was like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. And, um, you know, I got like my, my really cute tights and my like fancy ass outfit. And I like walked in the door with my like bold, bright, like shimmering six-year-olds, like goofy self. And I didn't know anybody that I was going to the class, but that didn't ma matter to me. Cause I was like, so myself and so ready to be there. And, um, I walked in with my double bag. I kissed my mom goodbye. And I remember walking in the door, like saying hi to the teacher and going to put my bag down. And there was a group of gosh, probably like five or six, you know, kids, girls who were my age and I'd never met them, but they were all kind of in a circle and all talking and they seemed to kind of know each other. Maybe they'd done a class before. I don't know. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go meet them. You know, I was so I was such an eager beaver and I'll never forget this moment. I put it down. Um, and I went to go turn around and I, I looked up and I noticed they were all staring at me and one girl pointed and I heard her say the word pig. And I like, that was the beginning of my realization that I didn't look like all the other girls and are humans and, and my, my, uh, my, my age. And, um, that was the start of a slew of body stuff for me. And it was the moment I will never forget. It's the moment that I remembered and started thinking, oh, I'm not like them and I'm not acceptable or seen as I am. And it's the moment I started dimming my light and bullying. Um, that was the first of many, many instances I talk about, um, some very, uh, intense moments in my life in my book, if people are interested in, in learning more, but it was a very, um, very long, tumultuous, many, many years. Um, and it honestly went through college for me. Um, 
And it's a big part of why I uh, felt the need to be what everyone else wanted me to be instead of who I was. Um, and it's stuff I'm just starting to really peel back the layers around for myself. Um, and I'm noticing that come up in new relationships, friendships, partners, whatever. Um, because, you know, with new, with people that I've known for a long time, there's that comfortability factor. There's that you've seen me at my weirdest, you've seen me at my worst and you're still here. Right. Um, and eventually you peel back the the shadows, right? And and they see that and love you for that, hopefully. And if not, then they're probably not worth being in your life. But with newer relationships, it's there's that fear component, right? Of like, if I show you all of me, will you still want that? And I'm so com- confident in who I am now, like truly, truly. And I show up every day witnessing that fear still pop up for me, that like moment of resistance of, okay, like when I laugh as loud as I do, cause I laugh loud and big, like, are you going to think I'm too much? Um, because I was constantly told I was, um, so that's just an example and how it's popping up right now with relationships, but mm. yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's that imprinting at such a young age and such a innocence. And I imagine there's such a twinkle in your eye. You've got your ballet slippers. So ready. (laughs) God, just, and thank you for also sharing, um, how it is coming into your life now in these newer relationships. And that leads us to the topic of today, which is polyamory. And I'm sure uh, bisexualness and <laughs> all the things and being married and also experiencing new relationships while you're cultivating and growing your relationship to your husband and all the emotional acrobatics that mm. I imagine come along with that. And polyamory has been something that's been asked to, to be a topic on this show. And I had a, an, a, a a podcast recorded with a guest a while back on Mm -hmm. polyamory, but it never went live because it didn't feel right to me. Mm. And, um, it was also a totally different place where I was in my own life. And I think I had like the flu or something when I recorded this. Um, so it never, it never went live and I'm very excited to talk with you today about this. I have so many questions for you. Yeah. Open book, (sighs) baby. Let's go. So good. (laughs) So the first thing I would love to know is about when, did polyamory become a thing in your marriage? Was it always an option? Was it always the thing you did or did it become something later? Yeah, no, we, um, we operated in a monogamous framework for eight years before we entered into polyamory, uh, officially. Um, I, I met Kevin, I was 19 and Mm -hmm. at a very, um, that's my husband's name. And, um, you know, a very, uh, young age. And I never expected to meet a human that I would want to move through life with at such a young age in such a a strong capacity. Um, and I just knew, you know, I just knew at the moment we met, I was like, okay, I've met a soul human of mine. Like, here we go, buckle up. And, um, and I just didn't, I expected to be the person that was like the last of my friends to get married. Like I didn't really even really believe in marriage. Like it was a whole thing. Um, but we operated in the monogamous framework for a really long time, honestly, unconsciously, like it wasn't because I, uh, was like resisting anything else. It's because I didn't know there was anything else to do, you know? And, um, 
-hmm. what I love about our relationship is we've always been incredibly open, like, you know, transparent to a, to a fault sometimes. (laughs) Um, and, um, you know, we started talking very early on before we got married, um, you know, about monogamy and how like, it kind of was weird, a weird concept. Like I remember having these conversations with him and, um, I, you know, told him about like my affinity to women, but I never really understood my bisexuality until recently. Um, it was, I mean, I came out publicly and on my podcast two years ago, well, almost two years ago, like 2018. Um, and, I remember that initial post yeah. too. It's like, yeah. 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 But yeah. like I I had only really owned that for myself when I came out. Like it was happening in real time for me. Um, with that that thing at least was. And and yet I knew that I wasn't straight, but I didn't know how to put it into words. And honestly, like bisexual still feels kind of I'm I'm not a big label person, but I love it because it 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 encompasses loving all people. And that is how I feel. I don't feel like there is a capacity for love and I've never felt that way. Um, you know, even when Kevin and I first met, we always joked that we were each other's other whole, um, because we didn't believe in the concept of completing another person, um, that we are both whole beings meeting each other where we're at. And that's just how we've always navigated things. And, and I just think we just kind of evolved into conversation. And as, you know, time went on, you know, and we started to explore fantasies and, and step into the space of kink a little bit together. It was like, I was like, I really want to have a threesome. Like I really want to have a threesome and I want to be with a woman and I want to experience that. And I want to know what that feels like. And it took some time, I think for a lot of reasons, one, um, you know, I personally was so busy all the time that I was like the idea of putting my space in that and like finding the right person. Like I just had this like, you know, picture perfect way that I wanted it to happen. And so it just didn't for a while. And, and also, um, Kev comes from a place of serious trust issues from past relationships and stuff. And so trust is always something that he's struggled with a lot. And so, I wanted to make sure that anything we did in a space of that, um, was comfortable for both of us to step into, um, and felt safe. Um, you know, and I also identify as demisexual, which I don't know if you've heard of that term before. I had never before. Um, but it, it basically is just that I don't, I don't tend to want to or feel pulled to engage physically and and, and in a sexual manner with a person, unless I have a connection with them. Um, And sometimes that can look very quick depending on the human. And sometimes it takes a long time or it doesn't happen at all, you know? Um, So the idea of just like going to a bar and like picking up some human, like that's just was never how it was going to happen. And we eventually um, got connected with a woman um, through a mutual friend who identified as Polly And, um, you know, like we started talking and texting a little bit and then we met for dinner and had a really lovely time. And then, um, eventually that led to us, you know, not that night, but a couple nights later, um, all having a threesome and a a very, very, um, I I should have known that this would happen, but it eventually very quickly turned into much more than just a threesome. And it ended up being this relationship where I was like, okay, like we're deep diving into Polly. And I, I didn't really know what Polly was beforehand. Um, I, I, I had heard about it kind of, but mostly it was like, 
is this like polygamy? Like, is that what this is? And that was my understanding before I entered into. So it was a lot of learning, a lot of just jumping into the deep end, um, which I, I don't necessarily recommend. <laughs> we could talk more on that, but, um, can you, you know. explain the difference between polygamy and polyamory for any? Totally. Yeah. So polygamy is rooted in, in a religious practice. Um, it often is, you've probably seen like shows around it, you know, um, where one, usually one man, but sometimes it can be different, but usually one man has multiple wives and they do not interact with one another and it's, they're all married and it's like by the law and by God, M- you know, polyamory is an umbrella underneath the larger umbrella of ethical non-monogamy an ethical being the very important word here. Um, and, um, it is simply, you know, many loves, right. That's really what it, what it breaks down to Polly and Amory, many loves. And it's just, I think it's more of a, a way of being and a, and a perspective around how we love more than anything. Um, you know, for me, at least that's my way of interacting with it. And I think everyone in the space kind of interacts with it differently, but that's Mm -hmm. how it resonates best for me. So how many years total then? Has it been about a year and a half that y'all been doing this? It's been over that. It's been, we, we met, um, the first, um, my first girlfriend when I was, it was July, 2018. So yeah, it's been, a year and a, a two and a half years almost. Yeah. Right. Math. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Uh, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, enough time to have explored by now. Totally. So, okay. Here's um maybe a misconception or something that will bring a little bit of clarity to, um, to myself or what people may assume. And mm-hmm. it, I know it's different for everybody. You know, that's the beautiful thing about relationships now is that everyone is learning. Well, if you choose to wake up to that process that you can choose how you do your relationship, yes. you can make your own rules. It can look totally different from your family, your culture, your upbringing, so much freedom. Now with uh, polyamory, it sounds to me like y'all had a thruple. And yeah, that's yeah. a little di- like main polyamory, right? Is like some, like you have multiple partners and I, they can it, all be separate, but y'all had totally a So that's interesting. I actually, it's funny. I think everyone's perspective of polyamory is so different because my perspective of it was like, all I was seeing were these people in, I, I call it a triad is when the three people are in a relationship together. Um, I think the more mainstream way of, of hearing that is, is a thruple for sure. Like in, in media, but I think in media, that's all you see is a threesome and then it enters. And so that's of course, because that's what I knew how I entered the space. Ironically enough, you know, it's not how we've moved through the space, um, as, uh, as a unit and also as individuals. Um, but, um, it, I think it was at least coming from a monogamous, monogamous framework and into, polyamory as a couple, because that is our unique story. You know, um, it, it, it felt for me at least like the natural and safer way of stepping into it. And I think honestly, like I said, we fell into it. Like it wasn't intentional. This human just happened to like, really like both of us. And we all just really liked hanging out and having sex. And it wasn't a lot of sex all the time. It was a lot of hangouts. We went to New York together. Um, we had a really lovely, you know, relationship and, I ended up exiting the relationship a little bit before Kevin did, um, because it just wasn't serving me anymore. Ooh, talk about that. 
That's super interesting. How do you yeah. have boundaries, like a breakup boundary when your husband is still in yeah. a relationship? Well, that that's a thing. And that's a thing that Kevin and I talked about a little bit on my podcast. And I want to do more about, about this because it, uh, I didn't know what to do when I entered it. We didn't really have agreements or a container. And that's our biggest, we've talked about this recently a lot. That's our biggest regret in terms of entering the space. Not because... I believe in that so much. I actually believe in fluidity and flexibility and just being able to live. And if you're entering from a monogamous framework into a polyamorous framework and you expect that everything within your monogamous, you know, relationship that has been like that for so long, that is now shifting the dynamic is going to stay the same. It's like, nope, (laughs) that's not real. Um, and so we had a lot of roadblocks and a lot of bumps, um, for sure, in terms of uh, finally getting to a space where we're like, okay, this feels good individually. Here's what what we're wanting to do as individuals, and then how can we come together and build a safe and loving and kind container together um, for our relationship, so that we can feel supported through this, you know, this process. Um, we only did that recently, you know. So it's been um, it's been a an interesting backwards way of approaching this, um, that I highly would not recommend, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so learn from my mistakes. If you step into it, um, at least in that capacity, because it can be, it can be a lot to constantly, you know, just shift into that space without any set of Mm -hmm. agreements, you know, I don't love rules, but going back to, yeah, going back to the, um, the, um, the word ethic, (laughs) Mm. Um, so I had an experience when I was 21 and there was a couple who one of the partners was very well known, dare I say famous. And I really looked up to him and he knew that, and I'm not going to go into the whole story, but there was a very, very manipulative situation that happened yeah. of me being 2021 20, and them being 32. Totally. There's a very big difference between 21 and Huge even 25 difference. and definitely totally. 20. So I ended up, um, you know, I, I can barely remember that night, but I know we all mm. slept together and there were, there were like promises of, mm. of love basically not even cause I was so confused. I was like, is this the way that we're supposed to relate. And this person who I looked up to was in the mm. primal paleo community, the world that I was writing in. I was a yeah. writer for paleo and like I did paleo photo photography, all this stuff, Yeah, past life. And he was very high up in that world. And he was like, this is what we do. This is the natural thing of the cavemen mm. to have multiple partners. And I'm like 21 and I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, really? Okay. Oh, I'm like shrinking backwards in my chair. Yeah. So I, I share this because, um, the calling to be open or to be with multiple partners has to come from your own desire. Completely. Your yearning. And I think as women, we are so used to being desired in general, just in life. Like we're the beautiful ones, we're the pleasure-filled ones. We have light and love and all these things. And that the the masculine of the world really loves that and sees it and wants mm. it. And so oftentimes, you know, we're courted, we're dated, we're taken out. The feminine is pursued. And I, I point that out because if you are looking at the relationship options we have now, 
it, you could fall into the situation I had when I was 21, where I, again, I was being desired and I was being told what I, what's good for me and what will enlighten me. It was very much of one of those guru sexual relationships of like, this is enlightenment. Yeah. Um, Oh, I creepy, creepy. I will say that I, I went back, um, and I looked at our Facebook messenger chats and like, it is so very apparent of how, how little power I was holding in my own life for myself, still no fucking excuse. Yeah. Someone who is doing this work and especially the masculine, do your work, have it's responsibility. N- and it's not a consent-based experience. Right. Then. And consent exactly. is huge in the polyamory space and like in the kink space. And they often tend to go hand yeah. in hand a little bit. Um, not always, often not actually. Um, but many times, at least for me, um, it has. Um, and I, that, yeah, that makes me, that hurts my heart to hear that story of yours, because I think that is something that many people in this space, and I see it on Reddit all the time under the polyamory subreddit, you know, just people enter it into it and use polyamory and ethical non-monogamy as just an excuse to do really shitty behavior. And it's like, yeah, and it's fucked up. It's truly fucked up. And really what they're doing is cheating. Mm-hmm. Really what they're doing is manipulative. And and that's why it's really important to step with caution and be really intentional in every decision. And yeah, I think it can be hard when you're entering the space as a couple um, because there's this term in the polyamory community called unicorn hunting. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen it on, on Bumble too. People being like, yeah. for our unicorn. Completely. And I, it drives me fucking insane because, you know, when Kevin and I stepped into it, it was like, okay, like we knew about that. We knew we didn't want to be that. We were like, we don't ever want someone to feel, you know, the pressure, but couple privilege is a term also that's thrown around a lot. And it's it's true. Like you have an innate understanding and a base of your relationship that already exists. And if you are entering into something, whether it's a triad or a threesome experience, or just a moment together with another human that includes a relationship that already has a foundation, there needs to be so much space and care for that other person's needs. What Um, does the unicorn mean? Yeah. So unicorn is really a term for somebody who, and sometimes people identify as this super like intentionally and and love it. Um, but it just basically means a person who is looking to be a third. Um, and a lot of the time you'll see like on certain apps that are geared towards non-monogamy, like field, um, you'll see a lot of couples being like looking for a third, you know, unicorn. And it's just like, that is the epitome of a unicorn hunter, right? Like, um, and also it can often look like these couples who then just like have sex with a person, honestly, and then just be like, Hey, bye. Like, thank you for being here. Um, you served our needs, but your needs, your needs were not included in the, in the story. And And then you get, you, your body feels like you're getting rejected by two completely. Completely. And it's fucked. It's super fucked. And, um, it's not something I ever wanted anyone who was when we first started and were, you know, in a relationship with this woman. And then we ended up having another triad afterwards as well before things shifted. Um, you know, it was like, I was so cognizant and so cautious to make sure that they felt super seen and supported, but they also entered into it, like very much being like, I want both of you. Like, I want to be here. Like, and it was a full expansive, really loving 
relationship um, that was sure sexual in nature, but also incredibly like grounded in mm-hmm. love and um, play and goofiness and date nights and us also having individual relationships within that as well. So, yeah. Do you and Kevin have some sort of baseline rule in your marriage that if one of you was no longer comfortable being polyamorous, you would both stop? Is there anything like that, that, that lives there? I don't believe in rules. Okay. Well, you know what I'm saying? Um, I, 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 I do, but I want to be really cl- clear around this. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in rules in the sense of that being cut and dry. We have a very expansive, um, and, uh, and thoughtful way that we communicate around things. And we have taken moments where we've, uh, when we've not been necessarily in relationship with other, or if we've been personally uh, as a unit, like we were earlier this year, really struggling, um, and, and wanting to, um, reground and in a new framework because we knew that what we were working on individually, we were like crumbling and we were like, okay, we need to find who we are together now, um, that we've like done all this individual work with therapy and immersion stuff and whatever. Um, and so, you know, we took a couple of months to just like really ground in and energize with ourselves. But during that time, he still had another partner. Um, and that, you know, he just communicated really openly with her and let her know that, you know, there was stuff going on here that he really needed to be, uh, more energized and present for, and that he was still going to be present with her, but that his, his time was going to look a little bit different for a little bit. Um, and she and him had a really loving conversation around that and made sure she was feeling supported during that time. And it just, you know, it ebbs and flows. So, um, it's not always easy. In fact, there's a lot of commu- a lot of deep communication that needs to happen for this to feel grounded and um, and supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's constantly evolving and shifting, right? So, um, but I will say that having a set of agreements of, you know, like making sure we have significant quality time together where we feel really appreciated and seen, and um, you know, having uh, little rituals that we have that are our unique relationship and, and don't move, you know, to other places, like how we, you know, have our morning time together when we're to, you know, together, even like as simple as having our coffee and tea together, as we sit on the, by the kitchen Island, before we start our day, like little things to ground into us, um, has been hugely, um, beneficial in making sure we're staying grounded in us while also having, other relationships in addition to that and partners, friends, whatever, you know, I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, the, having the, the agreements and the container, because you have to have that masculine container, the structure so that you feel safe to go into these totally really unknown places. It's not like you have so many people to look up to in this regard. You're really exploring this terrain totally um, freshly. So let's talk about insecurities. Mm, so mm. many. <laughs> let's yum, talk yum, about yum. them, Maddie. <laughs> let's talk about insecurities. <laughs> What's coming up for you when I say that? What's first in the top of the brain? Yeah. Uh, like right now or in the past, because I feel like uh, I always say this to all of my friends. Like, I feel like polyamory is like a flashlight um, onto your deepest wounds. and. I 
love it because I love that deep work. And I, I also love it because it helped me do even deeper digging on stuff that I didn't know. I, I thought I had like figured it out. You know, I thought I had done the work I've done the self-development work because I've been in that space for so long and it's like, Oh girl, you got to go deeper. You got to go deeper. Um, and so I, I, I loved it. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, it brings up a lot. It brings up a lot of wounds. Um, and so I think for me, you know, linking back to what we talked about earlier with the bullying stuff, um, and also my lovely journey on coming home to my body, um, you know, it's, I think it's brought up a lot of insecurities in, am I enough? Am I, um, am I, you know, sexy enough for you. It's been a lot of that, um, because I hold personally a lot of mm, stuff around, uh, being able to fully let go in any situation, sexual or otherwise, um, because of so much trauma that I hold in my body. Um, and that was all of a sudden I was moving from this really comfortable, safe, monogamous framework container that I knew and had known for eight years to a whole new experience where it was really liberating on so many levels because I was finally getting to explore my bisexuality and really actually living out what I believe and feel when it comes to love and hum humans. And, um, and it was so expansive. And then also it was like, wounds, you know, just like coming out left, right and center. Um, and it was hard. Like it was hard for me to know what was, what was what and why it was coming up. And, um, you know, I I'm grateful that I, I have, have a long-term partner like Kevin and also had partners at the time and friends who were supportive and there for me. And that my therapist was like, is poly friendly and just, you know, very under understanding and a community of people to say, Hey, this is coming up for me. Like, uh, let's talk about this instead of, you know, squashing, which I did at times, I squashed down, um, but mostly in an unconscious way, you know, um, but yeah, it's just, it's been a lot of body insecurity, a lot of, um, trauma in my body that has come to the surface. Um, that has been mostly rooted in just, am I going to still be loved and seen and accepted for who I am? Because that's at the heart of it, how I constantly, my wounds sh constantly show up, you know, because I think at the end of the day, all we want as humans is to be loved and seen and accepted for all of who we are. And it can be really scary um, to express that and be all of that, uh, especially in a new framework. So, yeah. Do you find with new partners, when you communicate with them, you share where you're at or you share your insecurities that that is 70% of the healing of that insecurity, mm. or is there something more that you do with yourself on your own an embodiment practice or ritual? How do yeah. you like the, the, the actual moving through that? What does that yeah. look like? Honestly, I think it has way less to do with my partners and way more to do with me. Um, you know, everything I, I think everything that I am and everything that I show up as I'm learning and now fully embodying is, is it comes from my wounds and I'm grateful and lucky to have partners who are amazing and people in my life who are amazing. So it is constantly a safe container to be in that space, but I've been showing up often, um, 
very intensely um, because of my stuff. I think it would be different if I were, you know, in partnership or with somebody who was abusive or um, narcissistic or whatever. So I want to say that very intentionally and very specifically because this is just my personal narrative and story. But for me, it has looked a lot like um, focusing on removing all of the shoulds, like I said, um, like you beautifully said in my bio and, um, getting to the heart of who I am. And that's looked like embodiment and dance. I'm an actor and moving and singing has, is a huge part of who I am. So it's been getting into my body that way, especially during this pandemic when I am not doing that in any capacity. And usually that's a huge outlet for me. Um, you know, it's also looked like reclaiming my narrative around my body and loving it and learning to compassionately hold it and, um, and remove all the overachievy perfectionist type a tendencies, um, that I have, I'm, I so, uh, easily can move into and give myself space, space to slow down in small ways, whether that's taking a deep breath, um, taking some time to journal, um, not putting so much on my fucking calendar so that I can be present with myself and with others and, you know, detach from my phone when I'm with partners so that I can fully be in the moment with them. Um, because I, it, I, I naturally feel most myself that way, but I have been so programmed by the external world and all of the shoulds to not operate in that capacity. And it's, um, suffocated me for years and years and years and led to burnout and, and also led to me not loving myself as a result. So it's been a healing journey really at mm-hmm. the at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about jealousy? Does mm-hmm. that ever come up with you? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Jealousy is a, is I think a, a term that, that I hadn't really felt before entering poly poly spaces. Like I never really understood people who felt jealous. I think if anything, it was always this feeling of, I feel left out. Um, you know, again, from like not wanting, not feeling accepted for who I was like that has always been kind of more my narrative. Um, I will say that if anything, I would get jealous of like, um, have like my husband, when he would like get to spend time with like one of his partners and I was in rehearsals for shows and I was so busy and I just didn't have time to like see the other people I wanted to see or to spend as much time with, with him. I would be like, Oh, I just want to be, I want to be doing that, you know? And I was still doing what I loved. And yet like, I got jealous of like the fact that I couldn't also be doing that. If that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think I've had moments in the past with, one particular partner of Kevin's, um, where, you know, she, I, it was at a time where I was really struggling to like come into my sexuality fully. And she just like embodied sex in a way that I was like, and I was so attracted to her too. I was like, Oh my gosh, you are beautiful and amazing. And like the way you move and the way you feel so fluid in this. And I, you know, that's something I've really, really struggled to like fully let go in. And I'm there now. So like, I get it, but I just truly was like, Oh, I want to be that. And I was like, I had moments where I was like, Kev, like, do you think she's hotter than me? (laughs) You know? And like, if that's true, that's okay. But like, you know, I noticed things coming up where I was like, okay, okay. Like, do I need to like put this on more? And it started to almost be like, I need to show it was the Amanda of like, I need to show, I need to put this on in order to be 
seen and loved and accepted. And that was coming back up for me. And it took some time for me to settle into that and some beautiful reminders from him as well, that like how I am exactly as I am is perfect and beautiful and all those things. Um, and I, it was hard, you know, hard, especially, especially cause you know, watching your partner fall in love with somebody in front of your eyeballs for the first time while you're also still with them, it brings stuff up. You're like, Oh, like, this is a lot. This is a lot. And like, I'm so happy for you and I'm so excited for you. And also like the fear of replacement, the fear of abandonment, all, you know, that comes up and, um, and I don't know that I see it so much as jealousy for me. It lives more as fear, um, and more as like my wounds coming to the surface. Um, but I think jealousy is a thing. And I also think it's a thing that I, I don't know why we've, we view it as such a, this negative emotion, right? It's just an emotion. Ultimately, it's just a feeling, um, just the same way anger is. I think anger is beautiful and I think we need to reclaim that, you know? Um, and so I think the more we can just step into that and move through that jealousy or fear or, or anger or whatever it is that we've maybe have placed as negative, um, that's really where the beauty lies on the other side, as you so deeply always practice and, mm. and show and everything mm -hmm. you do too. Yes. Thank you. Um, one thing that's very apparent to me talking with you about this is that you've done the work in yeah. the past couple of years. Like you've really, really done the work. I don't believe polyamory is for everybody. No. And I think like, I just want to point out right now, the, um, the level of responsibility you hold for your side of the court and how beautiful it is and that you have your queendom and that you're, thank you. You are like yeah, holding your own emotions. And even the way that you just said, she, you think, do you think she's prettier than me? Like, yeah. I don't like the way that maybe you said it differently at that time, but at least right now with that kind of energy, it's really quite playful in a way, um, which means you're not completely immersing into your own mental game. You know, you're able to be with it, be with whatever it is, a jealousy or insecurity of some sort and observe it and maybe laugh with it. Yeah. And that is the best way to do these, you know, the stages of communication that we've talked about in the Sisu society and mm -hmm. um, my other podcasts of like owning what it is that you feel and also playing with it without having to one of the things I talked about in a recent call in um, the Sisu was that the feminine will often try to get somebody to do something so that they don't have to feel a certain feeling. Raising my hands, if you can't see. <laughs> and even going to that example of you in theater practice and him with his partner, what the wounded feminine in all of us will typically do in a situation like that if she doesn't want to feel uncomfortable is say, well, Kevin, you stay home too. You, you stay home. You stay home. Like tonight, like you shouldn't go out with her or, or, mm. or my feelings are hurt that you're out with her and I can't be out with my partner. Please stay yeah. home. I like the wounded feminine and all of us does that not good yeah. or bad. It just is what it is. Yeah. And that's what codependency is. It's like my state, mm. my state, my happiness, my sadness, whatever. My emotional state is dependent on you. So mm -hmm. do the thing I want you to do. So I don't have to feel a way I don't want to feel. Yeah. And the control is real. The control is real. And, um, polyamory will teach you a lot about that. Like the fact that you were able to 
be in what you chose to be in your theater practice and mm-hmm. let him do what he does, do what he wants to do is a, a devotional act. Like that's you being devoted to love above all. Totally. More than what you want, more than totally. even what he wants, more than the relationship. It's like, I'm devoted to where the most love is. Yeah. And, and, and I will say that I did that and it sucked at the same time. Like I had, it hurts. Yeah. There were moments where I was, I was really in my, whoo, I remember being on phone calls with some of my best friends being, and sobbing and being like, I'm just, I want it all, you know? And that's who I am. I want it all, all the time. That's just how I live. Um, feminine. Yeah. And, and you know, it's my actions aligned with that, but my feelings were very deeply struggling as well. So you know, there's the push and pull, there's the polarity as you always talk about. Right. And, um, and it's a constant, constant practice. It's a constant movement through, um, through the flow of the journey and trusting the ride and also setting the container around it. Um, and honestly your work and everything you teach has allowed me to expand into polyamory in such a beautiful way. And just knowing you and being around you at all times, because it's, the polarity is so true. And and when we can see things as not good and bad, but just as, as what they are and as our feelings, as, as exactly what they're supposed to be in that moment and show up at our highest potential within the capacity of that, like that's where magic happens, I think. And it's taken me some time to get to a place where I can be truly playful about that because I'm at that place now and it feels amazing. And it's like so fun. And I just love celebrating all of it, um, without that stuff. And now I notice when the stuff comes up, you know, it still is there, but it just, it doesn't live inside of me in such a dark way anymore, which Mm -hmm. is really nice. So, um, but it, you know, I will say it has not always been like that. And I don't certainly don't want anyone listening to this be like, she's magic. How is she doing this from the get go? Mm -hmm. Cause let me tell you, that's not at all how it went down. So thank you for adding that for the most part, if there is a most part, like a general, uh, way that your relationships have ended, what's the reason Mm. been maybe it's all different. Maybe they've all ended for different reasons. Yeah. Um, the most substantial relationships for me have ended because, um, they were not the right fit for my soul. Um, you know, I think when I first stepped into polyamory, I was really focused on women and really focused on, um, exploring my bisexuality. Cause it was the first time I'd ever done that. And I really wanted to like fully step into that space. And I love women. I have amazing women in my life and I've met some incredible women. Um, they just weren't a fit for me long-term in terms of, um, having like a true expansive, like relationship, um, a romantic relationship. Um, they're both in my life still in different capacities. Um, but not, in the way that I, um, maybe once thought they might be, and that's totally fine. Um, you know, but I, they both ended explosively, I will say. Um, but I, um, being the human that I am and not believing that people come into your life for no reason, um, really worked at rebuilding, um, a relationship of some kind. One of them I'm quite dear, lovely friends with, and I adore her. And also, maybe we'll be sexual again. I don't know. Um, I, she's just not a romantic 
partner of mine that I feel connected to in that way. Um, but we have intensely beautiful chemistry. So maybe down mm. the road, it'll happen that way. And the other one, um, I think she's actually stepping out of the poly space and kind of doing her own thing. And, you know, we, we see each other from afar kind of thing. Um, and the more recent relationships that I've navigated, um, have ended for a few reasons. Um, you know, I think the pandemic was, was one of them. I, you know, started dating, um, and, and at the beginning of the year and, um, was exploring that and, um, you know, I'm such a kinetic person and such an in-person person. Um, and when things started to need to move online, it just didn't feel aligned. Um, and those people are still kind of in my life in small ways via Instagram or occasionally text, but you know, nothing substantial. Um, and you know, uh, I had a, a more significant relationship with a human, um, earlier in the year, um, for a few months, it was all almost all virtual. Um, and that ended because she, uh, she's monogamous and really tried to, um, see what it would be like to support, um, and be in partnership with somebody who identifies as poly because the connection was so strong and we are truly soul humans. Um, it was the first time I've met somebody that I was like, Oh yeah, this is a soul relationship for sure. Um, and she will always be in my life. And I know that, um, and it was, it was hard to navigate that shift, um, and that adjustment, but I know it's what her soul needed. Um, and probably also as a result, what mine did. So, um, that was the most loving end of a partnership I've had mm. for sure. The most kind and, um, thoughtful way that we've moved through, but it's certainly still, you know, still living and still moving. So do you also date men? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually currently seeing, um, seeing somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, no, I've, um, I've dated a few, um, you know, I I dated a couple before I went on a few dates with some, with two humans, um, who identify as male, um, before the pandemic hit. So like early January, February, March of this year. Um, and those didn't really go anywhere super, super intentionally. They were lovely humans who I I genuinely adore them. Um, but just not like a fit in terms of who I want to spend a lot of time and energy around and currently seeing somebody who is, um, lovely and yeah, it's early. It's very new. So I don't know. Um, I don't know where it's going, but I, I really can't imagine him not being in my life in some capacity. Um, just because we are two peas in a pod in terms of soul, like meat soul. Um, he's also a much older human, which I tend to, um, feel more supported, um, in, in spaces like that, because, um, I'm learning that people who are deeply self-aware and know who they are, are what what I need in relationships. Um, I don't have time for the games or the drama or the, uh, you know, that, that anymore. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been lovely and we're just seeing Mm -hmm. how it goes. Oh, those older men. It's so So good. It's, I mean, it's (laughs) so for the past year and a half, maybe two years, I haven't, besides the man I'm seeing now, um, I haven't dated anyone younger than 43 it's 43 mm. 44 45 46 50 like it's just that's it's in my mind and in my body there's no other option it, to me it just yeah. makes sense 
that's, it always is what I attract. And I've noticed Mm -hmm. recently with my newest partner that, or the person I'm dating, um, is it weird? A, You're like, how do I identify you? Yeah, it's that space. <laughs> like, where is I'm it like, partner just, dating? Get fully there with you. Like, what? What would he think if he heard me say that word? <laughs> like, totally. It was a little too soon for that. There with you. But I've yeah. noticed, like, yeah, with this with this man, um, <laughs> some insecurity that comes up because he's in his 30s, and mm. that's been really interesting for me to look at. There's some, yes, most definitely the 45 year olds have provided a level of maturity that I'm magnetized to and they are magnetized to me. It Mm. just keeps happening that way. That's why for two years, that's what it was. And on the shadow side, I Mm. feel also emotionally safer with the older men because I'm the pretty young blonde. Oh, interesting. Something about that of being younger makes me feel maybe a little more powerful, a little more self-assured. Hmm. Seems kind of like backwards because I think a lot of younger women with older men would be more intimidated by them, but I don't feel that totally. way. I feel like I'm the one that's more intimidated because I am younger and I'm choosing to be with them. Um, and that's the shadow side. That's the darker side. That's the, 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 and it's not in the shadow, fortunately, it's in the light. But I've noticed with hmm. this 30-year-old, who is so beautiful. Like mm. he's the most beautiful man. He would be, he would probably be so mad at me for saying this because he gets shy about things, <laughs> but he is so beautiful. Like I just can't even explain how beautiful this human yeah. is, is inside and out both mm. ways. And in the polarity mm. we have is so strong. He's not in the feminine masculine world. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't have spiritual mm. practices and I'm saying this because I want everyone to hear that who is in, who is getting excited about the feminine masculine world. It doesn't mean you need a partner who knows about it. Completely. In fact, Completely. I've dated quite a few in this world and I've come to realize I don't really know if I want that because it can be turned around on you and led right back into the patriarchy. Yeah, because it can the, become manipulative. It can become very manipulative because your your very masculine partner who is aware of consciousness will tell you that you're not revealing your truest heart because you have too much attitude. Ooh, uh, yeah. Ooh I have so many shivers on my spine. I, I don't like do, that at all. I gotta do another episode on that sometime because I've I've experienced it. I've I've experienced a lot of it, and it. it for someone who like speaks the language and is familiar with the work, you can very easily be like. Uh, okay, yeah, let me reveal my heart more. And then you get off the phone or you leave the date or whatever. And you're like, fuck you. Anyway, yeah. this person, I don't like in, that. Uh-uh, me neither. He's not in any of that. And I love it because we're mm. actually experiencing the work. We're experiencing polarity. We're not talking about polarity. We're not. You're just living in it. We're just living. You're being in it. it. We're being. Yes. In it. Like he's that. He's holding Fuck the yes. down with his breath and his presence, and I'm bringing the energy. And our sex is like. Mm. I just. I mean, I can't even explain it. It's just. It's just, uh, so good. Yeah. Um, as it should be. As it should be. <laughs> and I say should intentionally. Yeah, that's a good should. Should all over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll do a podcast on this. So I'll talk about this too. We did a, I texted you about this the day of, I believe. Um, I got us a little, a few little plant medicine chocolates 
Um, mm. and they are, they are specifically for desire and arousal. And I mm. set up my living room. I got tons of little candles, led candles. The entire living room was lined with candles and my kitchen and the bathroom. And I turned off all the lights. And then I have one lamp that has, um, color changing light bulbs. And I turned it on. Oh, this, fun. It's one of the best investments I've ever made. I turned it on this fuchsia and then I made a sex altar that had condoms on it and roses and Mm. uh, uh, massage oils, candles, and then had speakers throughout my entire apartment and then blankets and pillows galore. And then you are had, energetic blueprint up the wazoo, aren't you? I'm not. I'm essential. You're not. I'm essential. So interesting. Okay. Oh, I'm a, oh yeah. It's all about the senses, the colors, mm. sound. And then I got our I food, food ready for afterwards, and like, like I had chocolates ready, and yeah, the massage oil. Everything for me is about body, smell, taste, touch. Yeah, and I feel it, that. It was such an exquisite experience. He he hadn't done. He, he's never, he doesn't do anything. And it was a very big honor for me to hold that container mm, for him. That's so sweet. It, we weren't horny. I'll say that like whatever we thought we were going to have, it wasn't that at all, but it was like an immer- it, it was so interesting. It was like, we just wanted to be enveloped in the spirit of each other. Like it, it is a spiritual mm. plant, what we were doing, what we we're taking and I can't explain the experience very well. It's very vague. It was a very interesting, like I, was, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was blurry. You know, I was seeing yeah. what wasn't there, kind of like a mushroom effect. And then, but then like smell and color and sound was all very vibrant, but then I'd lose track of time. And then I just keep finding myself back in his chest, you know, back smelling mm. under the covers. It was very sweet. Um, that sounds fun. And that's, yeah, setting the sacred space. So like, yeah, he doesn't need to know about feminine masculine to do like, totally. only, you only need one person that understands it. And one person who's willing to bring it, bring the A game, yep. set the stage and, and just do it out of generosity. Like, I think what I, I, I had felt like resistance around that for so long. You're saying this and it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, I felt resistance in that because I was like, well, then I'm in control and I want to be loved, you know, like I want to be taken fucking care of. And like, really that puts you in the best fucking position to just say, Hey, like this would turn me the fuck on. And then they take control, whether that's in like a kink space, like Dom sub, or just in the span of like, I would really love it. If we had this, they're going to love to hear that. Whoever your partner is wants to hear that from you. And then you're going to show up and be like, Oh, what I wanted is actually happening instead of, I want you to read my mind and just like magically know what I want. And it's like, that never fucking works. Right. Um, I've been learning so much from you in that space and it's specifically within the context of relationships. And it has changed the motherfucking game Mm. in all of my sexual escapades. Mm. And I cannot thank you enough for it. Mm. Oh, my pleasure. That's such, such a sweet thing to hear. It's such a game changer. I mean, it's, it's truly it really the is. meaning of, of, um, I don't like the word authenticity, but like transparency, just mm. being transparent. And, um, I, I used to not have the courage to really go for what I wanted. And yeah. for me to set the entire container and welcome him into it was actually me nurturing 
in a way. Like mm-hmm. I know, mm-hmm. I know how to set a space now. And that's from my several years of doing John Wyland's assistant stuff. Like you have to really set this. It's, I've never experienced anything like it with container setting. And yeah. um, it was really, it's really cool to be able to bring your gifts, what you've learned. That's what all this work is for is to learn what you can learn and then apply it and then drop into it. Once the container yeah. was set and invited him in into my big pink womb space where we yeah. got to play and touch and massage so and fun. And that's then, so fun. Yeah. It's just, and it's like, that's been this home that I've been creating. I've made it very mm. intentional that it's going to be a goddess palace. You're going to walk into a womb when you come here. Obviously it doesn't look like that right now with the walls you can see behind me, but down, <laughs> if I just tilt the camera down, it's m- much more like plants and um, you still can't see anything. Well, when <laughs> it'll look like. I know I still, don't, I just moved into my house too. And I still don't have any artwork up behind me. I'm like so excited to get my boob paintings up and like all of my rainbow shit. I'm ex- it's going to be, it's going to be a wild space. The walls is, the walls are the, the most intimidating part to me. Like what goes, what goes Completely. over there? What goes over the couch? You know? Completely. I don't know. And it, you it, want it to feel like supportive of like the space and like, I, yeah, move it's, I think you, we've had similar experiences in our move processes lately of just like, I want to be so intentional with everything that I do with everything that I put in here. And, you know, having lived in the same space for the last five years and just having moved into this house, I'm like, get rid of this, move this, like sell this, or let's adjust this or whatever. And like slowly cultivate, like, we don't need to fucking like get all the shit right away. <laughs> you know, like let's bring it together. Um, yeah. and I'm excited. I'm excited to like, see it come to light. So yeah. I'm excited for you too. Yeah. Thank you. This has been such a beautiful episode. We've covered so much territory and so much ground. Is there any last mm. piece that's just on your heart mm. that you want to say before we close? Yeah. Um, especially just in terms of the polyamory stuff, since that's what we've been really focusing on today. I just, I want to encourage anyone who's thinking about love in any capacity to really, really like deep dive into your heart and ask yourself, am I showing up consciously? Because I think monogamy and polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, whatever the fuck, it doesn't matter as long as you're consciously living in it. And I think I was so unconsciously operating in monogamy for so long that I'm now feeling so expanded in this whole other thing. And I'm like, I had no idea this was here or that I could do this and be this. And monogamy is a beautiful thing for so many people, right? It's the right thing for so many people. I just urge you to ask yourselves the questions, right? And see like, am I consciously doing this because it's what really feels good for my truest self? Or am I doing this because it's what I think I need to be doing because society tells me, you know? Um, And then just move from that space. I love it. It's going back to what do you desire? Instead of the world coming to tell you what to do or chasing after you or manipulating you, you know, of course, what is it that you're wanting? You're allowed to want your own thing as a woman. It all starts here. It all starts from within. And where can people find you online and what are you offering these days? Yeah. Um, You can always find me on Instagram at Amanda Catherine Loy, Catherine with a K. Um, I also am at amandacatherinelloy.com where I have all my stuff for my one-on-one. I just closed out my uh, first uh, Live Your Fuck Yes Life virtual summit, which will be happening quarterly. But if you want access to the replay to that, you can go to amandacatherineloy.com forward slash summit. Um, and uh, 
yeah, I'm just doing one-on-one stuff and focusing on that, um, for now and, and showing up on the, on the Instagram with all of the good stuff. And as of course, also my podcast, which you mentioned earlier as well. Um, I feel like I have so many things sometimes going on, going on my asshole. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is happening. Um, but you can check that out on iTunes or Spotify. It's just live your fuck. Yes. Life. The you of fuck is a star. Cause Apple doesn't like the word mm-hmm. fuck, which is fucked up in and of itself. Um, and then also, if you're interested in reading my book, I chopped off my tits. Um, it is geared towards my story all around Raqqa, which we didn't really talk about today at all. But um, it's also about overwhelming fear, um, navigating overwhelm and fear and going through trauma um, and lots of really beautiful um, tools to support you through that space. Um, and you can get that at amandacathamoy.com forward slash book. I think that's everything. <laughs> Perfect. And I will have all the links to these in the show notes, everyone. You can check that out by going to maddiemoon.com. And the links will also be on the show notes in iTunes when you just look at the description. And we just would love to know what you thought about this episode. I mean, we talked about a really big topic. So you can head on over to Instagram and tag us with your thoughts or comment on the post for this or go to my website or send us an email anyway you want to get in touch with us. <laughs> it's been so lovely to have you on the Mind Body Musings podcast, Amanda. Thank you so much. I adore you. Mm-hmm.